to the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast with Roz Gervais and Laura Day, where we chat about our creative lives as artists while keeping it real and a little bit messy. We're here to inspire creatives just like you to push past those boundaries and make art that you love. Let's dive in. everybody and welcome to another episode of Paint, Rest, Repeat. It's very exciting this week. Well, it's it's very exciting every week, but especially like even more because we have the wonderful Wilhelmino Russo with us today. So hello, Willie. How are you? Oh, ladies, I'm so well. Thank you so much for inviting me. Can I tell you, it is lovely to be on this side of the podcast not your side of the podcast today. <laughs> well, I was thinking maybe you want to run this show. No. <laughs> no, it was actually a sigh of relief waking up this morning when I was going through, okay, what have I got on? Yeah. And I was like, oh no, the girls are going to run the podcast. I don't need to come up with anything. They're going to do it. So. Oh, fingers crossed. We've got this, Roz. <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm nervous. So if you don't know anything about Willie Russo, so Willie, I'll give you a teeny intro and then maybe you can like go right into it. So You're a mentor to other creatives. You're a broadcaster as well, a professional broadcaster in the area of the arts, and you're just fabulous all around. That's my description. What do you reckon? You are so lovely. So yes, I describe myself as an artist, mentor, and broadcaster. I guess the kind of line that anchors me in all of my work is helping artists take the right next step. Because as you both know, There are so many ways that you can make it in the art world. And, you know, I guess I always like to say none are right, none are wrong, that others aren't better than than others. It's just there's lots of different pathways and it's about what you want out of it. And I guess that's, I'm a very practical person. And so I like to be able to give quite practical advice. And I think that's what clients have resonated with in this space as being an artist mentor. There kind of wasn't a grand plan. I just fell into it and it's been three years now. So yeah, that's that's me. I think you fit the role brilliantly because you have all the background and you just understand the landscape so perfectly. So you just come into it so naturally. So Willie, you're actually my my art mentor. I've only had one session with you, but I consider you my number one in terms of my own personal art practice. And what I loved about my session with you is that you are an epic, like next level listener. And I know I don't mean that in a soft way. I mean that in a sort of a, like you're very, very focused and you truly listen to what your clients actually want to achieve. And then you give them the advice that is actually, it's not cookie cutter advice. It's like, this is the advice based on your goals, where you're at and your actual challenges. And I just, I just love that about our session. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I I do. I have been told I am a good listener. So I think that's something I stand strong on. It sounds so sort of, so primary school, doesn't it? Such a good listener, but. (laughs) You're a good listener. But it's actually quite rare, really. And I catch myself not listening fully either because my mind is so busy. I actually think good listening is quite rare these days. So yeah, thanks. Thanks. Willie, you were talking about how you just fell into this role. And I know a little bit about you coming from a HR background, but I really wanted to ask, what was it that drew you into the art world? Because I know artists are a really interesting breed. (laughs) from personal experience but like was there a particular point or something an event that happened that like really drew you in yeah okay great question so I guess I bought my first piece of art when I was 12 and I have such an appreciation for art 
And when I moved into the broadcasting space, I thought, what industry or group of people can I help give more of a platform to that maybe don't get a lot of platform in traditional media? And so like, I love art. I think I speak about art in a quite easily engageable way. I'm not tertiary qualified in the arts. I don't have art history or art technology, like art theory background, none of that. So like in talking to lots of artists and then having a conversation with them once the mic turned off, just about, you know, how's it going? And and I think maybe like you said, Rose, in terms of asking the questions and then listening to people and then reflecting back to them well, my observations of what's going on in the art world are X, Y, Z. Have you tried this? And I think it was in the moment that one of my podcast guests said to me, that was like the best conversation I've had about my practice in I don't know how long that made me think there was value in working in this space. And I could see that artists really, they really appreciated it, I guess. they like they, And so in that kind of combination of, that moment with that artist and then the consistent feedback I get with regards to appreciation, it has kept me going on this path and made me think, okay, it's something worth investing my career and life into. Beautiful. That's so (laughs) nice. You're coming from such a lovely place and we appreciate that. (laughs) But you're right, there's some very interesting characters and I get to talk (laughs) to all of them. (laughs) I think that is something that happens as well as your, you know, as your bank of mentees and, you know, your business grows. I think that's just part of the journey. Yeah. The rich tapestry, the rich tapestry. (laughs) Hello, hello, it's Roz here. I just had to interrupt our episode to let you know about my free Facebook community for creatives. Yes, yes, I know it's on Facebook and Facebook does have its downsides, but it is a great way to meet other creatives and join communities of like-minded people. So if you would like to join our group, you are so incredibly welcome and we cannot wait to meet you. Come and search for us under Permission to Paint Free Community. See you there. So you, what do we want to dive in? So I run this whole thing on my side as a mind map because that's my brain. It's going all out from the center. We talked about, you know, you sort of touched on ways of being a successful artist and how there are so many different ways. We also unpack in previous episodes, what does success even mean? Do you have a take on that? Yeah, it's fascinating you say that because I gave a talk at the National Arts School last year and I handed out palm cards and I said to everyone in the audience, write down your definition of success as an artist. And they were like, what? What? What do you mean? Like... And even just, I'm sure you experience this all the time, Roz, with your group in in like that, you know, this, oh, so it's up to me to define what success is. And there's obviously intrinsic and extrinsic success measures. And so, you know, the sales, the recognition, the showing, there's all of those types of success measures. And then there's that personal pride and satisfaction from either nailing a technique or a color palette or getting the color that you just wanted that, you know, potentially a collector is not necessarily going to know you fought hard for, but that's a real big success in your kind of world. And my take is that each year you should reflect on it. What is success going to mean for you this year? And it can change. It can change year to year, particularly given 
life going on around. If you've got young family, you're caring for older family, health. It's, you know, I think the thing about art is that the extrinsic success of, is wait, is extrinsic even a word or have I just made that up? Is it external? <laughs> <laughs> extrinsic is a word. It is extrinsic, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Extrinsic motivation, yeah, yeah. It's external. It's the same thing. It really means the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you you can't control the external ones. So you can't control how many sales you get in a show. The only thing you can control is do you put on a high caliber, interesting show? And even in that, even if you do, if you're broaching a topic that's either really sensitive or not on trend or it's, you know, you may have a beautiful show, very limited sales. And in that, I know artists who have experienced that, but they have still considered the show a success because they broached a topic that was really hard and they unpacked that in their art and then they could move on from it. And they possibly also approached it as a a learning experience because everything needs to be a learning experience. Everything, absolutely everything as you go on your journey, I think. Yeah, but reassessing success each year. Because you know what, like the weird thing is with life as well, like you set out on these goals of, you know, this is success for me and you achieve it and you're like, oh, that's actually not as awesome as I thought it was going to be or, you know, I didn't get the feels. I wonder if that makes it because I've been listening to an audio book about success and I wonder if it's to do with actually realising that the joy and the thrill and the excitement is actually in the process and the journey, not the end point. Maybe. So true. So true. And and particularly art is so process and practice driven, right? You know, I've heard artists and clients say like, you know, when do you know a work is done? And they're like, when I can't look at it anymore. And, you know, you've just got to abandon it and then it's done. Get out of my sights. Go into someone else's home quick, urgently. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's my take on success. So I guess with Instagram and how things are portrayed online and we can sort of form a picture of like what looks like a successful art practice and how would you guide people back to what is right for them because like sometimes like following what other people are doing and like what looks amazing cannot fit your life. What would you do if someone was off path and sort of following you know the aspirational artist path, but yeah, it wasn't a right fit for them. Yeah. Okay. So my first thought on that question is like comparison is the thief of all joy. So they're like the minute you start following a whole heap of artists who you admire, obviously, and you admire their work. And then you're like, well, this person had a solo and then this person's had a mini online release and then you're done for. So, sorry to be like so br- so blunt and brutal. I love it. I no, no, so- this is great. I think it's important to understand how it's making you feel. And even in my own, even in my own situation, I have to be very conscious. I'm on Instagram a lot, and I know I can start to get on there, and I'll be like, "Well, this small business, like, how are they achieving their results?" And then, you know, it is a trap. Now, what are you? How is it making you feel? And what are you getting out of it? And also, don't get us wrong, as we all know, it's such a fabulous place for connecting with other like-minded people and other artists. And, you know, I've had some amazing conversations with people on Instagram. I keep looking this way because my phone's like down here. I have amazing conversations with people on Instagram who I'm potentially never going to meet, 
but it is absolutely a two-way street. So I think when you're starting out and you're starting to put your pictures up and you're kind of getting a feel for the Instagram space, and no, Instagram is smoke and mirrors, right? Like no one's putting the shitty stuff up. Like I took this picture of a meal that I made and it was literally like a slab of steak and like two carrots that I hadn't even cut up. And I thought I'm going to post this on Instagram and be like, this is my contribution to the food. Like, <laughs> Willie, you need to follow this account. And that's probably not quite the right name, but I think it's called No F's Cooking and it's hilarious. And she cooks <laughs> dinner for her kiddos and she just goes with color theme. And I think I saw one night, it was like cherry tomatoes and red frankfurts. Done. Dinner sorted. Um, I love this woman. <laughs> but yeah, smoke and mirrors. <laughs> exactly. So we're all putting our best foot forward. So go into it knowing that it's that. But also if you get to a point where it's not making you feel great and you're actually not getting a lot out of it, you know you need to dial back and it's not the space for you at that time. Yeah, beautiful. So it's around the awareness and then your own boundaries as well, I guess. Yeah. Because Instagram's changed, right? Like it's not the beast it was five years ago where you were going to get a lot of organic growth really easily. Yeah, and that's what you notice, you know, when other artists have followings of 80, 100K or something. That's when you know that they started back in that period. So long ago. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like even there's one account I follow. She's a gorgeous like scientist and she works in kind of clean beauty space and modeling and things. And she's got like 80,000 followers and she gets like 200 likes on her posts now. I'm like, that's not a great ratio. Like Instagram is really changed. So go into it knowing that as well. Because I think people can get overwhelmed like when they're like, okay, I love this painting. I want to make a good go of it. And then they're like, oh yeah, we need the perfect Instagram account. I need to have all these amazing like flat lays and photographs and time lapses. I need my website. I need my business cards. I need to organize, like create a body of work. I need to figure out framing. And it like, it's so much and it's all like compounded on like one on top of the other and it can be like really difficult to like focus and then like just come back to the art and we were talking off camera earlier and it was just such lovely beautiful advice and you're like it takes time and I think so many people are in the rush to like get it all perfect all at once so I just wanted to like reflect that back like it does take time it totally takes time and you know what the most important thing is is good work. Yeah, so true. Good work will find an audience. And so if you're starting to get stressed out of, am I an artist or a social media marketing company? Good work will find a way because if you're doing crummy work, but you're an amazing social media marketing person, you're going to sell one piece to each person. People aren't coming back for crummy work. Where do you think the good work comes from? Time, practice and experimenting. And also going deep on a topic. Sorry, when I say topic, I don't, I mean maybe a subject matter, maybe a color palette, maybe a composition. It's when you dedicate time to a certain series that you'll see the series and your skill evolve. You can't paint one still life and it, it can be great. Like, don't get me wrong. You can paint a great still life and then move on from still life and be like, got that one down pat onto the next. I'm getting all the feels because this this then ties back to joy, right? Because you've got to enjoy what you're exploring 
And also self-knowledge, really. So knowing what you're passionate about and giving yourself that space to experiment and explore and dive deep, which I think a lot of people, especially if they're in a rush, they skip over that and they forget to look inward and to go slow for certain periods of time. They're just like, rush, 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 get out, new work, new work, new work, new work. And it's like, well, there's no more depth there. I heard a really interesting comment from someone a couple of weeks ago. And I think this is something that's really important for emerging artists to think about is because initially you start by you paint the thing, right? Or you make the thing, you're learning a skill and you're just trying to nail a composition. But this person said, you know, great art is when you see the artist in the work. And so it's what part of you is in that landscape or that still life or, and again, that takes time, right? And this is the other thing, like if you're an emerging artist and you're starting out and you're self-taught or you're going through workshops or, you know, evening classes, if you were doing an MFA, you would have four years and paint and practice and feedback. And then you would come out the end of that and people would maybe, the industry may expect something of you, but you've had four years. So to anyone who's sitting at home and they're in their first like one, two or three, and they're like, oh, I'm still kind of not getting it. You're not meant to have got it yet. (laughs) Yeah. It takes time to master your craft. I saw an email from you just recently, Willie. And again, I mentioned before, just life is crazy. So I just scanned through. Emails. They're like, they'll be the death of us. Don't worry. Sorry. I can't, I can't cope anymore. But anyway, (laughs) so it mentioned briefly, I just saw the subject line, gallery representation versus self-representation. And it sort of just went being in my mind to think about our audience today listening to this episode and there's two avenues here so one how do they know which path is right for them and then two if they do decide that they do want to explore the gallery route how do you get started with that so remembering we're thinking like you know the very early steps yeah so okay on the pathways front a good indicator of helping you sort of identify which pathway you might be interested in or might be right for you is thinking about the artists you admire. So, you know, if you're a Margaret Ollie fan, you're in the traditional gallery pathway. It's institute, like her career. So, and that's the kind of differentiation. You can love a whole group of different artists' art, but it's their career you've got to think about. So, if you're wanting to be institutionally collected you know, shown in more traditional galleries, that's a definite pathway. The other pathway I call for want of a better term is more an interiors focused gallery pathway. And that's like Jai Vizic or Kate Owen, or, you know, you, the kind of the steps for that are, and there are different prizes. So in that pathway, it's sort of more jumbled online, Fenton and Fenton, Greenhouse. They're the more interiors focused galleries and they're just the pathways are just different and the people in the pathways value different things so in the traditional gallery pathway the industry professionals and the collectors have a preference for you know a reduced rate of production of work you maybe have one show a year maybe one every two years you're entering prizes your price point potentially has the capacity to go quite high. Whereas in the interiors gallery pathway, it's more a volume model. So it's, you know, 
paint lots of works while you can. It's potentially more seasonal or trend-driven in terms of maybe what's in vogue in terms of colour palettes or interiors. Prizes don't necessarily play much of a role in that pathway. I always hark back to the Belinda Henry, and I'll have to check if this is still the case. So Belinda Henry is a beautiful Australian landscape artist. She has been in the Archibald and the Wynn finalist a couple of times. She's a traditional gallery pathway artist, but she also has, last year she did, there were still some prints of hers available at Greenhouse Interiors. And when you looked at the artist information at Greenhouse Interiors, they mentioned that she'd been in Bell magazine, not that she'd ever been an Archibald or a Wynn finalist, because the collectors in that range, in that pathway, that's not a big thing for them. That's really interesting. And so do you think that was a problem for her traditional gallery route or does it did it not matter I think she got us the thing is I think you need to get established in one and again because it takes time you need to get established in one and then you can potentially look at options in the other but like so I think there's been a few prints and I think she had a linen range at greenhouse And I haven't seen much else of her work then in that because her original works are well beyond the price point of an interiors gallery pathway. You have to choose, don't you? It's just because it's a time thing, right? So it's like anything. If you're investing time and energy on trying to build an audience in one pathway, then you don't have a huge amount of time and energy to be looking and learning the other pathway and knowing what is important there. It's not impossible, it's just it takes longer. Yeah, it's like running two businesses at the same time sort of thing. (laughs) If you're watching the YouTube, you'll see a big smile on our face. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's carry on. (laughs) It's like I said, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Just slower. Okay, so we have traditional gallery route. We have the interiors avenue. Is there another? And then, and then they're self-represented, sorry, exactly like the, the newsletter that went out. And that is, um, again, if you're a great or you have interest in being a great marketer and business person and time management and collector relations and database management, all of those things are really critical to building a sustainable art practice. So if you have interest in those things, yes, you keep 100% of the sale price, but you then either forego time or maybe you outsource for some marketing percent. So maybe you're paying 30% away to some marketing support. And again, it just comes back to what satisfies you. And little question, sorry, I take notes. It helps me with my listening skills. Um, (laughs) 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 I swear I have ADHD. Question on online marketplaces like Art Lovers and all of that. Does that fit into the interior space, would you say? Yeah, in my in my observation, yes, they're more in the interiors space than the traditional gallery space. Okay, thank you for clarifying. All right, so we talked about the different pathways and different sort of options. And then we were going to also look into people interested in the Gallery route. So as we, so we, we did plan this question earlier, but I just wanted to clarify, Laura, are we talking about people then who want to go into interiors or fine art? What are we talking about? Which one? <laughs> Pick a path. 
you can't do both. Yeah, exactly. I feel like the majority of people would be, I fit into the category of self-represented or the interior space. But I feel like people are sort of even more behind that. I feel like we need to go back to that mastering your craft conversation because I actually feel like that is probably like the most important part even before you approach these galleries, isn't it, Willie? Yeah, Laura, you're right. Because when you are contemplating speaking with a gallery, one of the things, one of the many things you need to have sorted is can you clearly communicate what your art is about and why? Because if you can't do that, the gallerist can't do that for their collectors. And you need to have a consistency of what you create because you can't rock in with a portfolio of a variety of still lifes and landscapes and, you know, various things you've painted over the last two years and say, like, I'd like to have a show and then go, okay, well done. And why? And what is your art? How is your art unique to you? Yeah, that's spot on. So that then links again to the style piece. But when I say style, I don't mean it in that shallow way, but it's like, what are you trying to say through your art? And how is your voice sort of expressed visually? You know, how, how does that come across? And is that visible in all of your work as well? It is a big piece. I think a lot of our listeners worry about this whole finding your style thing because they worry they're going to lose their sense of play or experimentation or joy and they're going to be locked into a process and they're going to be, you know, like a production line and just a, you know, cookie cutter sort of art making approach. I have thoughts on that, but what are your thoughts? (laughs) Well, my, my thoughts are you have to be known for something. And nine times out of 10, when you say, oh, I love such and such an artist, there will be a consistent color palette, subject matter, and either brushstroke or composition or something that signifies them. And can I tell you, it is every artist's dilemma of not just painting the same old clouds or the same old landscape. However, you are building a collector base who want to know that, okay, if I want beautiful, vibrant, still life. There's like three or four artists I can go to that paint in a luminous, rich colour palette. Or then there's three other artists I can go to that paint in a hyper-realistic, muted, dark colour palette. There is a little bit of you kind of have to go deep on something to be known for it. Now, again, it all comes back to why are you doing it? And what do you want out of it? Because you can absolutely sit at home and paint an array or create an array of different works. And if the creation is the joy and the satisfaction for you, and maybe once a year you put on a group show with some friends or some other artists network, that can be a good result, right? Like that can actually be a very satisfying artistic practice. Yeah. It's almost like, are you, you know, are you just painting artwork to sell or are you exploring something that is personal to you? Yeah. Yeah. And if artists want that creative freedom, then maybe self-representation is better instead of getting locked into a particular style and creating in volume and ending up in these interior spaces. But all goals are valid, aren't they? Yeah. And as I say, like no way is right or wrong and no way is better than the other. They're just different and they will each come with their pros and cons. 
all of them have their pros and cons. So again, and sometimes you kind of have to suck it and see, right? Like maybe you do a year of trying to self-represent once you have made that decision and you get to the end of the year and you're like, well, I couldn't market myself. I didn't have the reach that I thought I could grow. Now and again, that may come back. There can be multiple variables that play into that, but sometimes you kind of have to suck it and see. Yeah, definitely. And you can correct, you know, along the way. Do you have any sort of mindset sort of tips for people? Because I I think that's a huge piece of the puzzle that I think we often overlook. Yeah. The way you speak about your art is how other people will speak about your art. So if you're like, oh, it's just this little thing that I do maybe like on the weekend and they're like, oh, well, your little art thing, just like come over, like don't worry about it. But if you're like, oh, no, I have a consistent studio practice that I do three times a week and at times actually not negotiable and I'm working towards building a body of work. Now, you can be building a body of work for yourself, but the way you think and speak about your art will be how others think and speak about it. And unless you put boundaries and priority on it, no one else is going to. (laughs) No one else. So I do, and I think there is a key inconsistency. And even if it is just twice a week, like I have one client who is a primary school teacher and they're, you know, they paint on one day on the weekend. And since we've been working together, they put in place Wednesday night. And I said to them, look, even if you just sit down for half an hour and like almost trick yourself into being at the easel and I can see their practice moving along considerably. And they themselves are so much happier as well because their work is moving in that consistency. So I think consistency and boundaries and being very careful about how you speak about your work are three great tips for kind of mindset and getting in the space. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. I know I come to you for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this conversation could probably keep going on and on and on. Shall we ask you where we can direct people to? I know you've got a newsletter. Yeah. The newsletter is a great one. I think it comes out once a month, A, because like Roz has said, people are so inundated with emails that I feel anything more frequent, A, I couldn't get around to, and B, you won't read. So sign up to the next step, called the next step, uh, to help you take the right next step, or head on to Insta. If you head to my Instagram, Wilhelmina underscore Russo, there's a link tree with all the links. Also, I have a website, WilhelminaRusso.com. Everything's on there. I have a podcast, interview with an artist. Oh, yeah. Congratulations on a, a number 100. I know. Yeah. Oh, you my made God. it. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Can I tell you, it blows my mind as well. Like, you ladies know, right, that podcasts, I mean, they are such joy as well, but they're work, right? They're work. And so, yeah, episode 100. <laughs> well done. This is amazing. Very, very proud of you. They're weekly, aren't they? Oh, great question, Roz. So I have this wonderful, wonderful employee and friend who we work together one day a week, Sean. And he was like, this year, Willie, you need to do weekly because I was fortnightly last year because it it just gave me a bit more time. So I'm aiming on weekly. Oh, you're good. Well, it's good to have the help because I think you just need it. Well, he he does all my filming and digital stuff. So the podcast is still all me, but he helps in that respect. But Oh, 
question about filming. Oh, yeah, ask me. You know what? Amongst the zillions of things you're amazing at is getting footage of you going into galleries. And I was thinking the other day, do you, like, do you have a selfie stick? No, I have, like, Sean filming me. Oh, (laughs) we all need a Sean. I want a Sean. You all need a Sean. He He is phenomenal. But, no, so that's, like, one day a week we work together and it's generally out filming content somewhere. So, yes, that is, like, that is part of it. Beautiful. So if you are listening today, make sure you go and follow Willie over on Instagram because she does many beautiful things on there, including gallery tours with Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Sean. He's like, he's not in them. What's his Instagram account? (laughs) (laughs) Sean Hatsy. Sean Hatsy. Oh, Sean, you're going to get some followers. Yeah. Willie, is there anything else you want to drop in before we wrap up our episode today? Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. So I added two new arms to my business this year and they one of them is group workshops. Now, so these kind of, again, happened quite organically. A gallery last year, a couple of galleries last year hit me up to come in-house and do workshops for their artists. And I had a few inquiries about would I do it for other people? So Yes. The answer is yes. So, you know, if you're an artist collective or you've got a group of artist friends that you paint with, I now offer a group workshop service where I will come to you or maybe it's over Zoom, depending on where everyone's based and run a group session tailored to what you and the group want to learn about. And then the second one is exposure, because like we have said, Instagram's a wild beast. And potentially you're not getting the views or the exposure that you could have previously got. And there's an amazing, I liken it to micro PR. There's an amazing PR company in Sydney called Articulate and they focus on the arts, but they're super slick and require a super high level of investment, um, which is actually just not achievable for a lot of emerging artists or a lot of smaller galleries. So this year I started offering exposure which is basically your content in my feed. So I will help promote either your show or if you've got a product release or something you're wanting to talk to an arts-focused crowd about, I will work with you on that. And again, that's all on the website. That is amazing, Willie. I'm going to just go and do that now, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for hopping on with us today. Oh, my God. Ros and Laura, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you take a screenshot or sort of screenshot, yeah, a screenshot and share over on your Instagram and your stories and help us to support other creatives as well on their journeys. Thank you, everybody, and chat to you soon, Willie. Bye, Laura. Bye. Bye.